0: Hey, Anchor family, welcome to our podcast. We wanted to thank you for listening today. We pray this message encourages you, that it inspires you. Pray it builds your faith and brings you hope. Enjoy the message.
1: Daniel chapter 6. Start in verse 16. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in, and he was cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whose God? Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his signet ring, and with the signet ring of his noble, so that nothing would be changed in regards to Daniel. Then... The king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke. And said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Verse 21, then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his annual and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also towards you, O King, I have committed no crime. Heavenly Father, today we are asking for you to speak to us through your word. It's living and breathing. And you want to speak to us today. We pray that you would now, and we do this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Come on, be seated, be seated. I thought over the past week of what to speak about right before Thanksgiving. This is the time where you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of sermons about being grateful and gratitude and thankfulness. And a lot, of the same, a lot of the same verses are used over and over again. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, I, and he kept pushing me back. We started Daniel last week. And it's been incredible. And he said, well, you've, you've got to stay in Daniel. I got something for you in Daniel. And it's going to help everybody heading into Thanksgiving. And I think it's going to be great. How do, Let's turn the light on in the back so that we can see some people here. It's been on my heart this week, this scripture. And I'll tell you when it hit me. It hit me a couple nights ago when my daughters were going to bed. And they come running to me. And they're saying, Daddy. Pray with us. Time to pray. And so they ran up to me and they sat next to me. And I said, all right, let's pray. And we start our prayer. Dear God, they repeat after me, dear God. And I say, thank you for today. They say, thank you for today. How about you be the daughters? I'll say it and you repeat it. Have a little classroom participation. Dear God. Thank you for today. Thank you for my family. Thank you for everything that you do for me. Thank you for my brothers. Thank you for my sisters. And it's at this point that the girls looked at each other and they didn't want to say it. They didn't want to. And I'll tell you why. They had just got done fighting, and this was my opportunity to show them what a thankful heart really looks like. They looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they didn't say a word. I said, what's the problem? I said, Daddy, why are you saying thank you so much? I said, well, there's a lot to be thankful for. There's more to be thankful for than what you probably know. And and they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they're like, okay, but why did you say Elena? Why did you say Liana? And I said, because it doesn't matter how much you fight. You can still be thankful for each other. They didn't repeat those words, and they stayed very quiet. And we moved on. I realized they weren't going to say they were thankful for each other. They could not could not really figure that they were thankful for each other. So I realized then something about us as human beings and as believers. There are moments in our lives where we find it very difficult to be thankful. There are moments in your life and in my life where we find it very difficult to be thankful, to be grateful, and to show an expression of gratitude for what God has done or for what's happening in our lives. And it usually happens when things get difficult. It happens when we have fights and arguments with each other. It it happens when when we find ourselves in financial situations that are difficult. It happens when life doesn't go the way we want it to go. And then when we are forced to sit around a table every November and give thanks, it's very difficult to give thanks. I don't know if you've ever been there where it's been difficult to give thanks, where it's been a task to figure out a reason why you're grateful, and yet the Bible tells us that we should be grateful in all circumstances, and no matter what happens, that we should be thankful. And I think that this scripture today is going to help those of you in here who are searching for a reason to be grateful, who are searching for a reason to have thankfulness in your heart, because you're going through a difficult time. And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. And if you have a Bible, open it up. Or if you're going to look up on the screen, look up on the screen. Daniel chapter 6 is an incredible uh, chapter in your Bible. It's prophetic. And it's also filled. It's one of the most popular, one of the most popular Old Testament scriptures. And yet today we're going to try to find something new out of it. Because the Lord, his word is living and breathing and breathing. And it teaches us new things all the time. So we're going to go through Daniel chapter 6. And I, I believe you're going to leave here thankful. Reasons to be thankful. The, the title of my message today is, and I don't give out my titles often, but I felt like I needed to, to give this out. This is the title of my message. The test of thankfulness. The test of thankfulness. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom. Whoa, we're all confused. Who's Darius? What is going on in this book? You're dropping us in. We are parachuting into the middle Of Daniel, and we're we're introduced to a ruler named Darius. If you were with us last week, the ruler that was ruling in chapter two was Nebuchadnezzar, and now we're seeing the rule of Darius. What's going on? Well, last week we went through the timeline of the coming of Jesus, and we saw the four, the four kingdoms that would rule. The first being the head of gold, which was Nebuchadnezzar. The second being the shoulders and breastplate of silver, representing the Medes and the Persians. And the thighs, representing the bronze thighs, which was Greece and Alexander the Great. And then the legs and the feet, representing Rome. And today, we see a change and a shift. We have moved on into the second kingdom by Daniel chapter 6. By Daniel chapter 6, Babylon has fallen, and the Medes of the Persians' empire has taken over. Daniel chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, Nebuchadnezzar is in power, and And the people of Babylon are thriving. Chapter 5 is where it falls. And King Belshazzar loses because he was prideful, because he had not learned from his father's mistakes. Listen, any of you in here today, you have parents, and, and you can learn from their mistakes. And as parents, we want to teach our kids where they can grow in the areas that we messed up in as young people. In chapter 5, Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, had not learned lessons from his father Nebuchadnezzar, who at the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life, Nebuchadnezzar, he gave glory to God. I need you to hear this. Nebuchadnezzar, in chapter 4, gave glory to God. And in chapter 5, his son, Belshazzar, forgot all about the, the testimony that Nebuchadnezzar had. And at the very end of chapter 5, the, the Babylonian Empire falls to the Medes and the Persians. And now we're in Daniel chapter 6, and now the Medes and Persians are ruling, and Daniel is still there. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a merger or two businesses coming together. I was a part of that when I was in the engineering field, and and we would would, uh, owner-occupy other businesses. We would take them over, and whenever we would take them over or merge businesses, there was always a time where we would lose or let go of some of the people that we were hiring, that we were bringing on from the other company. There was always a little bit of loss. We kept the best and let go of the rest. The Medo-Persians, they did the same thing. And they kept the best. And one of the best was Daniel. So Daniel has made it through King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, and now Daniel is there. He's there with the Medo-Persians, and it says, it seemed good to Darius. Darius is the ruler of the, of that, at that moment, the Medo-Persian Empire. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Who are and what are satraps? Those are like mayors. Those are like mayors. The satraps were like mayors, and they were ruling over the kingdom. And it says that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. He realized, I can't manage all of the kingdom, I got to set up mayors. And in and, and our system, it would be like the president and the governors of every state. There were over 120 states, and he had his leaders managing it. They would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over those 120, there would be three commissioners who would be in charge of those 120. So it would be Darius and then three leaders and then the 120, and it says here in verse 1, Daniel was going to be one of the three. Daniel has risen to prominence. God has blessed Daniel's work, not because Daniel was good at serving other men, but because Daniel served his God. Daniel got to the place where he's at now, not because he was just a great servant of leaders, but because at all costs he served his God. I'm preaching already, and I know you don't hear it yet, but this is a principle that can spill over into your work life, serve your God well, and it can overflow into your everyday work life. You're still not hearing me. I know you're, you're quiet and you're wondering, what does this have to do with me? If you serve God first and make him, the, I think there's a scripture somewhere that says, seek the kingdom of God first and everything else will be added unto you. That's what's happening here with Daniel. Daniel has sought God first and because of that, he's advancing in his, his position in this world. Bible says, That he was going to be one of the three and that all of them would be accountable to him in verse 2. And that the king might not suffer because of Daniel. Verse 3. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Wait a minute. This guy Daniel wasn't just going to be one of the three. Now he was going to be the one. Over the three, that's over the 120. Daniel had a sense of excellence in his life and in his pursuit of excellence, no matter what situation he was in. And maybe you forget the situation he's in, but Daniel is in exile. Daniel is living in exile as the people of Israel had been taken over by the kingdom of Babylon, and they took From Israel, young men, to use these men to build their kingdom. Let me just, on a a side note, if there's one thing this world is after, is young men. are, Are you all sleepy? I don't know, you hear me. If there's one thing this world needs so that it can influence the next generation in the way that it wants to go, is it needs to take young men and influence them. This is why we see today around our lives now the fall of man among us. Because if there's one thing the enemy is after is your children and he's after men Because if he can convince them to live a certain way, it will impact generation upon generation. That's what Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians did. We're going to take every young male, and we're going to bring them into our leadership so that they can influence the next generation. Men, you have responsibility. Men, you have authority, and God has given you the ability to influence nations and other people. And if we don't understand the power that we have, we'll miss the influence that God has given us here on this earth. It says that they would take these young boys and bring them up, and here Daniel is one of these young boys, and he has risen to prominence, and now he is one of the top leaders over the over the full kingdom. And guess what happens to Daniel? He gets haters. Haters. You think you have haters? Daniel has haters. All of his friends they have haters, and this isn't the first time that they come up. With haters. This is Daniel chapter 6. In Daniel chapter 3, him and his friends are called out by haters. And because of these haters, they're thrown into a fiery furnace to die. And yet, God saves them miraculously in this fire. They are thrown into this fire and they are saved from it. Not because somehow the fire goes out or because someone pulls them out, but the Bible tells us in chapter 3 that as they're thrown into this furnace, now you're asking why are they thrown into the furnace? The king at the time had had erected a statue and told everyone to worship the statue, and it was because the haters said, if you can get this to happen in the kingdom where everyone worships the statue, these Jewish boys won't do it, and they're going to go in opposition of you, great king, and you're going to have to punish them. Haters came up against Daniel in chapter 3. They were told to worship the great statue. They didn't bow down. That's a word for somebody today. It's a word for us today when the culture is calling us to bow down to it, and, and Daniel and them didn't do it, and they were thrown into the fire, and the Bible says that in the fire there was another one in there with them. It was like the son of God, an angel, and it saved them. They were walking around in the fire, unharmed. That was chapter 3. We're in chapter 6. And now the, these people, the Medes and the Persians, these leaders, they have, they have haters. It says, then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find a ground ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to the government affairs. Hey, we're, we're going to come after Daniel, but re- specifically about his work, specifically. Daniel at this point has served for 40 years. At this point, Daniel has worked for 40 years for the Babylonian government and the Medes and Persians government. And again, Daniel has lost his home. He's lost his family. At this point, again, Daniel is a eunuch. He has been stripped of his manhood so that he would not be able to be married or have children. His line ends with him. Daniel has sacrificed and given so much. And the Bible says that, there's some men who did not like how fast he rose, and they tried to find an accusation against Daniel in regards to government affairs, but they could not find any accusation or evidence of corruption, inasmuch as he was what's the key word? What is it? You got to wake up. What is it? Faithful. Daniel was faithful. I look at this scripture and I just think. I wonder how frustrated Daniel might be feeling at this time. 40 years? 40 years of working for a government that did not care for him, that persecuted him, that destroyed his hometown and his people. And there he is, and he's faithful. Can I tell you something? This shows us that we can be faithful even when we're frustrated. How frustrated are you? How frustrated has life gotten to you? Daniel was faithful. He didn't stop being faithful even though he had lost so much. Even though he's been working under these rulers who wrongly destroyed His country, he was, would you just be more faithful in 2024? As we end this year, would you make a resolution? I'm going to be faithful, regardless of how it is. It says he was faithful. And his faithfulness, Daniel's faithfulness, they hated him because he was good. No negligence or corruption was found in him, verse 4. Then these men said, we We'll not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless, here we go, unless we find it against him in regard to the law of his God. They said, look, the only thing we're ever going to find against Daniel is that he's too faithful to his God. That's the only thing. God bless you when the only things your enemies can ever pull out of as an accusation is that you're way too faithful to your God. I wonder what your enemies would say about you and your walk with Jesus and your faithfulness to him. It says that the only thing they had was that he's too faithful and we have to find a way to use his faithfulness against him. Verse 6, then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him Dari. King Darius. Live forever. All of the commission, look at what they say, verse 7, all. All of the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anybody who makes a petition to any God or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. This is what they're saying. Hey, look, we have this bright idea. We want to exalt you above any God. And so we, well, we've all come to, we've all, like all of us. We, we, we have come to this agreement, and the agreement is this. No one should pray to anybody but you for 30 days. And if they do that, they got to be thrown into the lion's den because you're greater than any, any god. The re, you got to understand, the reason that they're using prayer as a weapon is because they know how, how faithful Daniel is to prayer. I wonder how they knew. I wonder how these people knew how faithful Daniel was to prayer. I wonder if there were times where they wanted to go hang out, all the satraps and all the governors and all these dudes. We're going to go out. We're going to watch the game. And he said, no, no, no. I got to go pray. I wonder how many times they were going to go do something that was against the things that Daniel believed in. And he said, no, no, no. I got to go pray. Daniel was a man of prayer. His life was revolved around being faithful to prayer. And because he was a man of prayer, they said, if we can use that. You remember Daniel that one time we wanted to hang out? And he said, nah, he's got church stuff to do. Nah, I got church. I got to do things with church. And I, and, and I wonder, how many of us would not have people say, man, they never miss church? They're always at church functions. They never miss worship. Daniel was so faithful to worship that people had the ability to use it against him. When you look at your life, when you look at what what you do, don't look at it as a way of earning God's trust, but as a way of earning the trust of people regards to your faithfulness to your God. The Bible tells us in Romans that our faith is a witness to those around us. And here's Daniel, and he's faithful, and the Bible tells us that they've noticed it. I wonder if people notice you. I wonder when you hang out, do they notice your walk with Jesus? The Bible says that when they said this, King Darius lived forever. Verse 8, now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. They had a law that once the king signed a law, it could not be revoked, could not be banished. It had to be followed through. So they say, hey, king, we've all come to this agreement. Daniel's not there. Neither are his best friends. But they're lying to to, to try to catch Daniel, and the Bible says that they say, sign it now. We've all agreed. Therefore, verse 9, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, now Daniel, verse 10, hears that the document is signed, and he has a choice to make. Daniel has a choice to make. What do I do? The document is signed. If I do this, I will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, it's interesting. That the reason that the Medes and the Persians threw people in the lion's den is because they worshipped fire. And they weren't going to do what Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians did when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. They worshipped fire. So they said, we're going to throw them into all of our enemies into the lion's den. And Daniel knows that. And he hears about it when he knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open to Jerusalem. And he continued, continued, content, he did not stop. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day. Praying, and here's your here it is, giving thanks. Praying and giving thanks before his God as he had done what? Previously. Daniel did not disappoint his haters. They knew he is not going to stop praying. And what did Daniel do? He did not stop praying. He went into his house with open windows, did not hide it. And he prayed. I like what it says here. We're going to study this and we're going to run through this scripture. Are you ready? Okay. It says he was praying and giving thanks. Two different prayers. Praying and giving thanks. I would, I would probably venture to say that most of your prayers don't really include a lot of giving thanks. It's a lot of <laughs> praying for what you need praying for what you want. And yet Daniel gave thanks. Now, I want to break this down so that you understand what's happening here. What could Daniel be praying for at this point in his life? Daniel is in exile and he's lost everything. And the Bible says that Daniel is praying. And we actually know what he's praying about. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah Chapter 29, verses 1 through 11, exactly what he is praying about. Jeremiah was a prophet in those times, and he was there as Babylon destroyed Israel. And the Bible tells us that he sent a letter to the exiles in Babylon. Did you know that? It's in your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 29. And you know what? You're, if, you're, if you've been in church longer than one year, you finish that in your mind, 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. what verse is that? For I know the plans that I have for you. Very popular verse. Did you know that that was a part of a letter written to exiles? You didn't. It was written to people who were living outside of their home who had lost everything and Jeremiah was trying to encourage them and this is what it says. Can I read this text? You're already here. I'm gonna read it anyway. Jeremiah 29, verse one This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all of the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had carried away into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. There's our summary. Verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem into Babylon. Wait a minute. God says, this is the word to everybody that's in exile that I carried there. Oh, this trouble you're in, I've allowed it. Oh, 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 the loss that you've had, I've allowed it. The reason that it was allowed is because they were disobedient to God. So God allowed them to be carried into captivity. He's Here's the thing I want to kind of stand on. God is in control of all things. He said, I carry them into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. He's saying, hey, man, just just because you're facing trouble doesn't mean to give up. That's a word for somebody here today. Just because you're in exile, just because it's difficult, don't give up living. Some of you, you're struggling, and you don't want to live anymore. I don't know if you're hearing me. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles with that kind of pervasive thoughts in my mind. Of wanting to give up when things get hard. God is telling them, all of you who are in exile, who are struggling, don't give up. Have children, get married, eat food, plant gardens, do what you have to, but no matter what, don't give up. Verse seven, also seek the peace. And the prosperity of the city to which you have carried, which you have been carried into exile, pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Pray for your city. Pray for the people around you. He says, "Do it." Yes, verse eight. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Don't let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Don't listen. To them and the dreams that they tell you that they have, I have not sent them. He is, he is warning them of false prophets. And then he says this. He says this in verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years, don't miss it. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, he's given a timetable. It's only going to be 70 years. You might, see, you might say, well, that's only, that's a whole lifetime. You know what he's saying? He's saying, no matter if it seems long for you, your kids have hope. No matter how difficult it is for you now, if you follow me, your children will have hope. If you do what I've asked you to do, your, your legacy will live on. Seventy. Hey listen, sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's about the legacy that you leave. Sometimes it's about what you can pour into other people. What legacy are you building in your children if you have children? What do you prioritize for them? What do you show them is important? He says, this is going to be something that they will get to see 70 years. 70 years. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you. I love that. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that Jesus was sent He came to us to save us. That that's who God is for us. He is a savior in the midst of the most difficult times. Where are you in your life? What are you experiencing in your life? What are the difficulties that you have? Here is the promise. It's coming to an end. Those troubles Have an end date this week. I saw somebody pull up on their Instagram. It reminded me of me. They pulled out a seasoning that they have had in their pantry since 2016. I laughed because I've pulled out seasonings in my dad's pantry from 2003. (laughs) They're like, how long have I had this? How long has, has this gone bad? And, oh, my God, can I still use this? Here's what I want to tell you. The promises of God never fail. He says, I am going to come for you. I am going to come for you, and I am going to come and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. This is the word that Daniel knows. Daniel has a copy of the letter from Jeremiah, and he knows that in 70 years, God is going to come take. Do you know that right after this king that he is under, right after this, the next king lets everyone go. Daniel is holding on to hope. He is not letting go of the hope that he has found in his word. You want to know where you can find hope? God's word. You want to know where you can find hope for tomorrow, hope for today when things get difficult, when you feel like time has gotten so tough that you don't want to to live anymore? It's in God's word. He said, I found this in God's word. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me, and I will come, and you will pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me when you seek me, and you will find me. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. That's verse 14. This is what Daniel knows, and this is why Daniel is praying. He is praying that God would save them from captivity. He, he is praying that God would end what is going on in his life. He is praying, and he's, and he's giving thanks. Giving thanks for what? He's, he's lost everything. Everybody at work hates him. He does a good job. He's the best at his work. And everyone hates him. He just found out that people are plotting against him. He's thankful. You have a reason to be thankful. No matter how difficult it is. You and I... We have a re- I like how it says that he turns towards Jerusalem. He, he's actually doing this because Solomon taught them to do that in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. He tells them to, pr- to turn and to pray towards Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, you know that the Bible tells us in Psalms 55.7 to pray morning, noon, and night. So he is doing everything the Bible is. T- he is excellent in the way that he follows after God's word tells me to turn and pray to Jerusalem. I'm going to do that. It tells me to pray morning, noon and night. I'm going to do that. I'm going to implement what I read. What are you implementing in your life from the Bible? What practices, what things do you do? The Bible says that he implemented it into his life. And he did this as he had done before. He then these men came to agreement and found Daniel make a petition and supplication before his God. They then approached then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you O king for 30 days is to be cast into the lions den? They go and they tattle tell. Verse Verse 12 tells us that they go and they Till The king replied, this is a true statement according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked, they said in verse 13. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, they are using his race against him. They're using his Hebrew name, Daniel. And then they're reminding the king he's a Jew. This man, this Jewish man, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you have signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. This king loved Daniel so much so that he realized he made a mistake by signing this agreement. And how many of us, how often are we so blinded by the nature of our actions that we don't understand the the, the consequences of them until they pop up? He was like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be great. I thought this was going to be a great decision because it was going to put me on a pedestal. But now, Daniel, he's going to get thrown into a lion's den. He says, he set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, hey, king, recognize, oh, king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. He says, don't don't forget, you can't break the law. Verse 16. Seven minutes, you ready? Verse 16. Then the king gave orders. He realized. (sighs) Can't change this. Daniel has to die. Up until this point, Daniel has done nothing to deserve to die, but Daniel has to die. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in, and Daniel gave excuses as to why he prayed and why he should not be thrown in, and Daniel called up his resume and told them all of his 40 years of service and how good he was. And Daniel reminded the king of how he helped him. No. I almost want to say that Daniel went willingly. I almost believe that Daniel went willingly because Daniel knew. My God saved me in chapter 3. Why won't he do it again? If you loved the Bible, you'd be giving me an amen right now, but I don't think you love the Bible. He says, Daniel prayed. He stopped hiding it. He didn't care because if God saved him once, I think Daniel believed God would save him again. That's a good word for someone in here today. That if God has been good to you once, maybe, just maybe, you can believe him. to. I don't want to break out the elevation keys and start doing it, but to do it again. Bible says Daniel was like not fighting it, didn't care, didn't give an excuse. Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will deliver you. Here's here's a principle right here for all of you. If I were to look into your life, what's the constantly that I'll find? Now, I just want you to think for yourself. What is your constantly? What do you do constantly that no one knows? What do you pursue constantly? Is it position? Position? is it f- some sort of recognition, public recognition, a place at work, money in your bank. What is your const- what defines you as your constant pursuit? This king said, the god whom you constantly serve. The thing that will define you is attached to your consistent pursuit of something. The king said, the God who you constantly serve, he himself will deliver you. I like what's happening here because the king is saying, I failed you. I, I was up all night thinking how I could save you, but I couldn't get past it. Your God can do it. A pagan king has this faith in a God that he does not serve. I can imagine the conversations Daniel had with him. A stone was brought, verse seventeen, and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regards to Daniel. It, what that means is he had a ring, and it had his, it had his, his emblem on it, his, his whatever I would, I don't even know what I want to call it right now. Like uh, my mind is not there to even give you the name of what it is, but it was a symbol for his reign, and they would, they would take clay and dip it in there and put it over something to show people, oh, that is the signature of the king. We can't mess with it. What they are saying is is this this area, no one can touch it. It's immovable. Nothing can change. What is it in your life that you have deemed as impossible for change? What is it in your life that you have said, mm. That pain will never leave. What is it in your life that you say, oh, what they did to me, that will always be my crutch. Oh, I will always struggle with that addiction. This is here to show us the power of our God to break those things. Daniel is thrown into this den and it's been sealed. I I remember a story in the New Testament about another thing that was sealed, a tomb I think I remember. Come on. It was sealed and the Bible tells us that it was sealed so that no one could open it and it also had the seal of the Roman governor and yet God broke that and pulled away that stone, and Jesus rose again. If there is one thing I want you to know today that can give you hope and a reason for thanksgiving, it doesn't matter what you have deemed as sealed and closed and immovable. God can break forth through any seal, can break through any chain, and give you breakthrough. It says that they sealed it so that nothing would be changed. What have you said? This will never change. There's hope. There's hope. Doesn't matter how bad it may look, there's hope. And I don't care how many times you've deemed that as immovable, unshakable, it will never be different. We serve a God who makes a difference. He makes all the difference. It says verse 8. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him just like Neb couldn't sleep. Then the king arose at dawn. Evidently, the law was once someone was thrown into the lion's den, they only had one night because there was no way you were going to survive. So he went running. He went running to the lion's den. Why? I get baffled when I read this because somehow this king has faith. He's running because even though he doesn't believe in this God, Daniel seems to believe in him enough. And the stories of Daniel's salvation from trouble has somehow overflown into, listen, the testimony that you have of what God has done for you, you don't know what he could do for others. You're not hearing me. You don't understand. That's why the Lord has told us that it is not up to a pastor. It is not up to a church. It is up to individuals to spread the gospel. It is up to individuals to go and tell others about what God has done for them so that they can hold on to what God has done for you as to what God can do for them. This pagan king somehow believes, and it's because Daniel did not hold back what God did for him. It's because Daniel, listen, you want to know how I know? You want to know how I know that Daniel spoke to this man and told him all of the stories of how, how Nebuchadnezzar threw him into the fiery furnace and how and how the angel of God was sent into that furnace and let them loose and how they, they got out of that fiery furnace unscathed. You want to know how I know? I'll tell you. It's right here in verse 20. It says, the king arose at dawn at the break of day and went into at haste into the lion's den. When he came near to the den of Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. Now he's anxious, he's troubled. Here's what he says The king spoke and said to Daniel, spoiler alert, Daniel's alive. That's why Daniel was saying he was talking to me. That's the spoiler alert. The king spoke and he said to Daniel, here it is Daniel, servant of the living God. Wait, hold up. Verse 16, go to verse 16. Then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, he himself will deliver you. Now, now we go to verse 20. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, the servant of the living. Oh, now he's got titles. Now he's recalling. The the words that Daniel had spoken to him. That whole night, he said, what did Daniel say about his God? I've heard over. Daniel must have told him who he served, and the name of his God, and the ability of his God, because now this king is recalling to his mind all of the conversations that Daniel has had with him about how God saved him, and now this king is declaring the name of the living God. He's saying, I now am confident. I have this this confidence. I don't know what to say, but I'm confident right now. Has your God, the living God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you? You are robbing people of your testimony. You are robbing people of the joy and the hope that they could have if they just heard what God has done for you. If they just heard what he's, how he's been there, how he provided when things got hard. Listen, it has to get hard or else God can't be a savior. You don't want to hear that, but God can't be a provider unless you need provision. God can't be a savior unless you need saving. And here's what I've learned in all of my years of following the Lord. He wants to reveal to you more and more of his character, and he can't do that without hardship. Revelation comes after hardship. So Daniel has, has told this king in chapter 3, this is what happened to us. So now he has hope. Verse 21, then Daniel spoke, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. He says, God sent his angel. This is a foreshadowing of you and me in the guilt of our sin, in the place we were at because of our sin, and God sending Jesus to shut the mouth of hell, death, and sin forever. Jesus was sent so that you and me would never have to face the consequences of what we've done because of Jesus that mean you don't have to be afraid anymore. It's because of Jesus that you and me, the minute difficulty comes, we can have faith. It's because of Jesus that you and me, when things get hard, we, we can have hope. Listen, here's one thing this scripture teaches me. We'll get the piano up here, and we can end. I need you to hear this. Daniel was still thrown into the lion's den. Do you hear that? you need to know that he was thrown into the lines that God did not keep Daniel from difficulty. Quit being upset because things are difficult. Daniel did not, was not kept from difficulty. God did not save him from difficulty. Instead, God brought him through it. Instead, God was in it, With him. It says, His angel, God sent His angel, and He shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Daniel is saying, I wasn't alone. Are you hearing me? You're not alone. We're not alone. God sent not only Jesus, but He sent His Holy Spirit. And you and me, the Bible says, we're never alone. Because of Jesus and because of what he's done, you and me don't have to ever fear of walking one moment on this earth alone. Because Jesus has been sent to us. It says in verse 23, then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him because he had trusted God. Verse 25. Stand with me. We're going to read this. Stand with me. We're going to end. Then Darius, the king, wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language Darius is so overwhelmed by what just happened and he is the ruler of the known world and now he has witnessed the power of God himself after he had already heard of it from Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar but now he gets a front row seat You to see this. Daniel's one man, one man who decided he wasn't gonna stop praying. And the result of that is a letter. The result of his faithfulness is a letter pinned by Darius. but this letter, This letter has some authority behind it because it's written by the ruler of the known world. And it's got so much power. Listen, if I wanted to write a letter and put it on the news, it wouldn't happen. I don't have enough power. Darius, he's got some power. And now Darius, he is now a vessel for the gospel Bible says Darius the king wrote to all peoples nations and men of every language who were living in all the land because of Daniel's faithfulness now there is an opportunity for the gospel to be spread to all the nations to all the people to every language I wonder what God would do if we would just be faithful I wonder what God would do if we would just not allow the culture to stop us from pursuing God to keep what would happen if you kept praying what would happen if you came to church every week what would happen if you lived in the kind of way where people recognize God living in you I wonder if it would have this kind of impact where the world would then hear. You don't know what God can do through you and what he can use you for. It says he wrote to every nation and every land. He says in verse 25, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all of the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever here's the problem the Medes and the Persians they believe that every ruler was a king and not just a king but a God and what he's saying is I've realized I ain't got that kind of power I'm not that strong, I can't save like that, I can't do those things. I have have somebody that is higher than me. And if the king of the world recognizes that there is a king over the king of the world, you and me, we can recognize that a time or two in our lives. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how much problems we face, there is somebody higher than us, higher than your boss, higher than your mortgage company, higher than the people at your work, There is somebody, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible tells us that here is Darius. And Darius says, he is the God, and he is above all things. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will never be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He He delivers. He rescues. He performs signs and wonders in heaven in your life, and in your little home, and with your family, and with all of your mistakes, and with all of your regrets, he delivers, he rescues, he performs signs and wonders. He has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. We serve a God who is a deliverer. And that gives you a reason to be thankful. You can give thanks today. You can give thanks confidently this week. Because he is a deliverer. And he has power to deliver you from the power of whatever it is that you're up against right now. What is it? He can deliver. I don't want to end without reading verse 28. I want you to see it. So this Daniel, he enjoyed success in the reign of who? Darius and, oh, more success. And in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Do you know what Cyrus did in his reign in the first year of his reign? He let God's people go back home. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Cyrus decreed in 538 that the Jews could return to their homeland. I wonder what we would see God do if we didn't give up, if we didn't stop giving thanks, if we didn't stop praying. And if we push through, no matter how difficult it is. Tonight, I want want to pray for you. That you don't give up. That you keep trusting, you keep praying. That you keep giving thanks. and You keep pursuing God. And you too will get to the place where you will enjoy the success of God setting you free again. The prayer that you need will be answered. Father today we bring it to you our impossible situation our biggest struggle and today we declare that we're going to be faithful today we declare that we're not going to give up today we declare that one day we will be free again and that we will see you answer us from heaven It doesn't matter, Lord, today what we face. We follow you. We pursue you. And we trust you. And today we just say thank you. Right now, right where you're at, just tell him thank you. Thank you. For what? For the hope that I have. That one day you're going to answer my prayers. Come on. What is that prayer that you have? Thank him for the hope that you have that one day he's going to answer it. Tell him right now. Lord, we thank you for the prayer for our families. God, we thank you for the prayer that we have for our peace of mind. God, we thank you for the prayer that we have, for the provision that we need, because we know one day you're going to answer us. And we hope that day is coming soon. And we trust you today with that. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today and listening to this message. We trust that God will use this to speak to you and meet you where you are. Thank you so much for supporting this church through listening to us on Spotify. You can continue to stay connected with us to be in the know about what's happening here at The Anchor by following us on Facebook and Instagram at youranchorhtx. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, we invite you to visit our site at youranchor.org slash give. It's because of you and your generosity that we can reach the lost and deliver the hope of Jesus to people around the world. So we thank you. Anchor family, we love you. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.